Hey everyone, welcome back to the Grasping Joy podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin John Bull, and this is a place to discover joy in the modern everyday world. As as we know, life is full of doubt, uncertainty, faith and questioning, love and hate. And I'm thinking, man, what better way than to grasp joy to help us through it? Today we have William Gibson of The Space Between talking about deconstruction and joy. And wow, this is deep and it's so applicable, it's so applicable. So seriously, get your notepads out, get your thinking caps on and be ready for whatever you feel you can take away from this. One person that I feel needs to be mentioned is Richard Rohr, just so we know who we're talking about. He is an American author, spiritual writer and Franciscan friar based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So without further ado, here's William Gibson of the space between talking about deconstruction and joy. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back. Today I have a guest on called William. Hello, William. Hello, Kelvin. Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear you. Uh, how are you doing? How's life? I'm doing well. I've had a busy day. Just uh, submitted yeah. an assignment for university today. Yeah. So, but all is well otherwise. Great. Uh, well, could you? I guess we're already starting it. But how could you introduce yourself? Like, who is this person behind the voice? Yeah, so um, I currently am studying theology and religious studies. In a, what feels like previous life, I studied law originally, but mm-hmm. was not interested in pursuing a career. And that um, I came to studying theology and religious studies because of my personal experiences within churches. Uh, growing up, I had been taken to a church of Scotland by my parents, and at the age of 13, mm-hmm. was like, mm-hmm. why do we go to this? And uh, they'd been treated not very well by some of the people there at the time, and they went, mm-hmm. yeah, fair point. And so we just spent Sundays as a family from then on out, and mm-hmm. then as a teenager, kind of came into what you'd maybe term more evangelical or right. sometimes fundamentalist Christianity. Um, I was discouraged from studying theology originally, which is strange to hear from a church. Uh-huh. Um, and then from there, ended up at another church up in Glasgow. And I'm sure we'll get into more of this later on. Mm. But um, eventually, basically got chucked out of that church for being a, a heretic, uh, in their right. words. And... Uh, yeah, so I've I've been, still remained passionate about loving God with all of my mind, um, yeah. in whatever way that looks like. Yeah. And part of that is doing this degree. And as soon as I, I started, I knew straight away that like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Great, great. That's exciting. Oh well, we'll, we'll start. We'll jump into a a not serious question. To I'm asking everyone this, and it's really interesting. It's the time mach- uh, time machine question. So if you were able to travel through time, either forward or backward, where would you go? I would go backwards. Um, I would probably go to the Library of Alexandria. Um, yeah. I would, I would just love to see the knowledge that they had mm-hmm. available at that time mm-hmm. and the potential breakthroughs that they were like just on the, the cusp of. Yeah. Um, that weren't realized because of it being burnt down. Yeah. Uh, would there be anyone you'd want to meet when you go back? 
I would, well, if I was going back, I would probably w- want to go to like a different time period to uh, meet someone yeah. in the past. Yeah, yeah. So okay. um, I would go back to the 1940s and right. I would want to meet Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, yes, okay. He was a pastor in Germany who was uh, alleged to have been part of an assassination plot on, on Hitler, mm-hmm. um, but also wrote some fairly influential uh, theology as well. His yeah. letters in prison are... A great read mm-hmm. um yeah so i'd want to meet dietrich bonhoeffer and have a chat with him that's really interesting would you want to like stay there or would you want to come back and bring your new information from either or of those scenarios back with you well i think if it was the library of alexandria i would stay if i knew there was a way that i could prevent the destruction of the mm-hmm. library mm-hmm. um then it'd be worthwhile even if it meant that i died it would be worthwhile protecting all that knowledge uh, for the betterment of humanity Mm -hmm. for the bonhoeffer time period i I don't think i'd want to stay in in nazi germany yeah 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 that's fair uh that's really interesting it's so cool thinking about all the butterfly effects with like you staying back in time like what would nowadays look like if we had that it's really really cool uh, before we start, I've got my definitions because everyone's got different uh, different definitions for uh, different things, or at least different connotations. So we have two definitions today. We have deconstruction and we have uh, joy. So I'll start off with joy. So uh, for a grasping joy context, I call, I guess, this thing I'm about to describe joy, but it's a steadfast state of mind slash being where the heart and soul are rooted in contentment, assurance, and hope. Joy is being present in the moment, but also is not dictated by it like happiness is. Joy is the key, in other words, uh, uh, for people not to be chained down by their circumstances, but lets them live life to the fullest, even when it seems impossible. So that's joy. We've also got deconstruction uh, for people who maybe aren't as familiar with it or maybe call it something else, is, in uh, quotation marks, a systematic pulling apart of a belief system that you were raised in to determine what is still believable in the light of everything else you know. You can obviously add to that, uh, William, because we're talking about your experience here, but as a basic understanding, that's what we're kind of talking about today. So, we have the questions here. Uh, And we're going to start off with... um, did you have slash find joy during this time of what you call deconstruction? And if not, uh, looking back, how do you think it would be impossible for you to find it? I think there was a, a very small period of time where there was joy for me in it mm. um, during the deconstruction, looking back. And that would have been after I decided to be honest with myself. Yeah. And before I told anyone else, um, which is, is, is funny um, in a way, because it took a while for me to get to this stage, like during deconstruction, where I was actually able to sit down with paper and pen and write in a journal, what would it mean if I just didn't believe in God anymore? What would mm-hmm. it mean if all that I've been taught was totally wrong? And that was the start of really beginning to discover joy. And I remember one day being at my parents' house 
and listening to a podcast with Richard Rohr speaking. Um, And he was speaking on prayer at that time, like a meditative uh, sort of prayer, contemplative prayer. And I, for the first time in what would have been about two years at that point, really strongly felt the presence of God. Um, Mm -hmm. Whatever that Mm -hmm. means, like it was a a sense of, of comfort, of peace, peace of stillness of of feeling connected to everything um around me um and i sat in my room uh, just rereading a passage from the the psalms uh, and yeah. that said oh my soul wait in silence before god for my hope is in him um and i just felt as if at that point in time it was really just a prompt of like you do have permission to pursue whatever the eventual outcome is um mm whatever results from this deconstruction and this questioning you have permission to do that um yeah and then that's when it became really exciting because that's when i started to rediscover that's when i started to almost reconstruct and begin to figure Mm -hmm. out what it was i actually thought because at that stage i could only really tell you um what i didn't believe i wouldn't really Mm -hmm. been able to tell you what i i do believe um and then after I told people that joy of rediscovery was quickly dampened um, with the responses that many of the people that were close to me had at that point in time. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess we're touching on this with uh, coming back to Richard Rohr. Uh, I don't know if you said this to me or some somewhere. It's probably you. Like Richard Rohr is the spaceman. He's just. He's just in in the desert with his dog, chilling out, <laughs> and just yeah, yeah. It's probably you, to be honest. Uh, but anyway, on when he was on the deconstructionist podcast, I think it was for the. I actually don't know what time it was, but he said, "Picture three boxes. The first is order, the second is disorder, and the third is reorder." We we're kind of touching on it there, but I want to kind of understand what your experience was like from transferring from the first to second box or have you found your faith weaving in and out all of them or possibly being in more than one at a time um i would say that the process of moving from the first to the the second box from order to disorder Mm-hmm. as you would expect is is messy um mm-hmm. the way that richard Rohr describes it in his book falling upwards is yeah. like if you imagine the the first part of your life uh the first half is is kind of like building this solid structure if you imagine it like a, a pot of some kind mm-hmm. a vessel of some kind um and as you build it you're setting boundaries you're um shaping it you're giving form to it and then inevitably disorder usually looks like breaking that mm-hmm. so if you to use that analogy of a pot like the pot yeah. being smashed um mm-hmm. and then that third box of reordering is often putting it back together um yeah. where the cracks actually show yeah the beauty um mm. and it and but for me going as you would expect from that first box to the second one was messy because there were a lot of events that happened in my life mm-hmm. that caused that disorder to happen because i'd been in evangelical christianity at that stage for about eight years um from yeah 2009 till 2000 and what would have been 17 yeah 2019 2017 Mm -hmm. 
And if you can imagine having eight years of everyone telling you that your opinion is the correct one, of yeah. your pastors telling you that this is the right thing to believe, of the podcast you listen to saying this mm-hmm. is the right thing to believe, yeah. um, then you're pretty certain and confident of of what you believe to be the correct thing, which makes it a lot easier to hurt people uh, with those beliefs. Right. Yeah. Um, and the fir- very first event that I think really began to trigger it for me was I was sitting in a cafe um, with my ex um, and mm-hmm. there was we were having this discussion about a book I was reading about church history and there was these two Muslim girls that were sitting beside us and they overheard the conversation and they asked these questions mm-hmm. and as they asked the questions it became really apparent that they were acting and responding much more like Jesus than I was right. in the way that they held their beliefs um, as Muslims. And it created this cognitive dissonance for me. Um, mm-hmm. So then from there, I decided, right, I need to reassert my belief. And I tried to double down. And so I took part in Ravi Zacharias apologetics course yeah. uh, that was like a three-month online course on apologetics to prove that I was right and by the end of it I thought I had all these answers to all these questions mm-hmm. and then I ended up in hospital with stomach issues I had a lot of my friends at the time leave the church that I was part of um, there was newspaper articles that came out about the church criticizing the pastor um, and there was a friend of mine who had been in a, an affair. Um, there was a lot of stuff personally that was going on that was yeah. really unsettling. And I remember after being in hospital, coming back to church one Sunday and standing there in the middle of one of the services, and it just felt as if the floor fell out from underneath me. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing there going, I don't think I believe any of this anymore. And so all of that was really, really messy to get me to that point where everything truly was disordered. But yeah, from going on from there, it's definitely been a kind of back and forth between all all three of them on Mm -hmm. on various issues. Yeah. For me, it could be, it's like coming to your pot analogy, it's like, feels like fine china sometimes. Uh, At least for me, it's just, you think oh man this is really really cool looking this is you know this is right and then just one little knock and then it's just all disintegrated but you can just you can always get it back together but sometimes it takes a lot of patience yeah or even like if you're in the process of reordering and Mm. and reconstructing that that um you have this one piece that you're being delicate with that you're looking at that you think oh this is gonna make everything make sense again and then you accidentally yeah. drop that or crack yeah. that and realize yeah. there's actually more to get into, that yeah. there's more substance to yeah. that issue than you initially thought.
on to what you were saying there, when facing adversity and conflicting opinions, uh, how would you sustain joy and love for yourself, but also the others around you? It's a hard one. Uh, I try and remember how I felt when I was really sure of my beliefs Mm -hmm. um, and was kind of unwilling to hear others' perspectives on things. And I try and think about how I would feel at that stage if someone was to approach me with a a different point of view. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's hard to live that out because there's definitely been times where I've tried to approach people who are in that mindset and it really is just not possible and it Mm -hmm. can quite quickly fall into arguments. Um, So that's with dealing with conflicting opinions. It's just a level of grace although mm-hmm. sometimes it is hard to show that when the opinion that is being stated is actually harmful to other people yeah. it's hard to maintain that mm-hmm. um but if we don't show grace then we are no better off yeah. really yeah. Yeah. um when facing adversity finding joy in that um for me is just always taking the time to do something that you love for no other reason than you just enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, I think when I went through probably one of the most difficult periods of my life last year, um, mm-hmm. the first thing that I did was I went snowboarding. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the two hours that I was on the slope snowboarding, I completely forgot about everything else yeah. that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so grounding and important for me. And I went every week after that for mm-hmm. a good few weeks and then also um went to counseling and yeah. got the help that i needed yeah. to be able to get through that period in time and yeah. that was all super helpful yeah yeah that's re- that's that's really good advice actually it's just allowing a space for the things you love almost just giving yourself perspective because that's um one of the eight pillars of joys balance of perspective as well so not yeah. everything in life is breaking apart. You can still go snowboarding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, how would you bring it to the listener as well, and yourself and me, who are all thinking about it, is how would you encourage people to start on the journey of deconstruction? But I guess what we've been touching on now is, uh, but still crasp a joy. Yeah, so having reflected on it for a, a while now, um the two things that I say to anyone who's kind of in, in that stage of, mm-hmm. of questioning or beginning to question or really doesn't feel like they can believe what they have been taught or brought up with is to commit to honesty, first mm-hmm. of all, and to be open to any eventual outcome or possibility. Um, and that can seem really scary at first, but it's so worth it in the end. Um, yeah. It reminds me of a saying of Jesus where he says, what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Mm. Um, And I think that a lot of people are willing to gain the world of church or the world of church culture Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. forfeit their soul and almost forfeit their relationship with God because they put this um, set of beliefs that they've been taught and raised with on a pedestal and it's almost set up as an idol. I know that it definitely mm-hmm. was in, in my case and for mm-hmm. many others too. Mm-hmm. It's like what 
Rob Bell says about um, your faith slash doctrines kind of like a can be a brick wall when it should be like a the springs on a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that that was that was really really powerful what you're saying there. Thanks so much for um, giving the time to talk about really personal stuff, and I really hope it touches people's hearts and helps people through uh, times of deconstruction if they're already going through it or maybe on the cusp of i've got one more question this is less to do with about deconstruction or it could be it's you for you to decide but it's mainly about you as a person i'm asking uh, all my guests this is joy is uh, being present in the moment so what helps you be present and not taken away by the past or future i think for me on that one it would be a common interest that we both share which is music mm-hmm. um finding new music for me has been so important uh yeah especially through the the process of deconstruction because yeah. music's something that you can connect to and relate to no yeah. matter who you are and there's always music that will speak to your situation because you're yeah. never alone in how you're feeling um and when yeah. you've been in a certain way of living and being especially within churches, you have a certain musical taste which speaks to your spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And when you no longer have that particular type of spiritual experience, you need something that's going to help you imagine the possibility of a new experience with God and a new Mm -hmm. experience of of your life, uh, whether that is with or or without God. Um, A really important band for me was King's Kaleidoscope their album zeal mm-hmm. really helped put language to how i was feeling and mm-hmm. i remember going to see them in london in january of this year actually before covid uh, really took off and lockdown started and i remember standing there and in one of their songs oxygen at the end of it there's they just sing Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so and uh, it's so 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 simple (laughs) and uh, almost to the point of it seeming ridiculous Um, but because their music had spoken so much to me I just remember standing there like on my own at this concert Uh because I just wanted to go I didn't care if anyone else was coming with me just with floods of tears like this is speaking to exactly how I feel um, mm-hmm. Other ones that have been helpful were a guy called John Guerra, um, his newest album Citizens, and mm-hmm. then William Matthews, his album Cosmos. They all helped mm-hmm. give language to my current experience of of God and of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and also like very importantly for me for um, the the first kind of six months of of deconstruction and. Um, really when I went through sort of extreme difficulty in my life um, I needed some form of grounding and for me that was in guided meditations yeah um, and an apophatic prayer a- apophatic prayer is basically like uh, negation of certain claims about God so for example if you take the claim that God is our father then apophaticism would not just be saying God is not our father because he is more than a human father but that god is not not our father so the language that we use as humans 
yeah. is too confining for uh-huh. the, yeah. the thing, the person yeah. that we call God. Um, and so learning apophatic prayer was really great for me. Wow. Um, and guided meditations, yeah. I went to the liturgists for that. Mm-hmm. They've got mm-hmm. some on Apple Music and Spotify of like older content, but yeah. then also if you're part of their Patreon, uh, then you can get access to other ones. And I'm mm-hmm. part of their Patreon literally just for the meditations, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there's some really, really good ones in that. That's really great. Uh, all of those are. Absolutely. Of course, I agree with the music one. I mean, I agree with all of them, but I especially resonate with the music one. Yeah. Uh, Especially for someone who plays music as well. There's a complete difference between listening and playing. So, you know, I'll just be rocking out in my bedroom, ripping up a solo that no one would probably enjoy. But it's all just enjoying the moment, being there with something you love. And you can find that in all the things you said there. So I'm definitely going to put them in the the show notes uh, so everyone can check out everything you've just said uh that is all the questions for today to, uh, for today thank you so much for coming on uh william it was real real great time i lo- always love chatting to me. you um Thanks, where man. where can people uh, find you what what is this who are you and how can we keep up with you Uh, I'm most active on Instagram. Um, If you want to look at my blog page where I post a lot about deconstruction, uh, then just look for the space between UK. So that's the space between UK. Um, That's just on Instagram. If you want to uh, also post content about deconstruction and what I'm learning on my personal page, which on Instagram and Twitter, is William Gibson GLA short for Glasgow? So William Gibson GLA. That's where you can find me. That's great. Uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on, William, and it was great chatting to you. I can't wait to uh, see you again. Great. Thanks so much, Kelvin. I love that. He's such a real and genuine person, but always go away feeling uplifted and better because of it. So once again, check him out at William Gibson GLA and the space between UK. He has recently started his own podcast with the same name, The Space Between, and it has a description which goes like this. A podcast exploring the space between faith and doubt, joy and pain, certainty and questioning. Next week we have a really cool guy called Dave Brackenridge, who is going to be talking about music and joy. But before we leave, let's remember to grasp joy every day. Here's a snippet of next week. Take it easy, everyone. If I didn't have music and therefore was never in front of people performing, I don't Mm -hmm. think I had had a shred of confidence in my life. Uh And when you've no confidence, you achieve nothing. And then where does the joy come from? Uh So music gave me a confidence despite Mm -hmm. the situation I was in. Mm -hmm.